Welcome to episode three of OTA Aspirations. My guest today was Tiffany Ellsbury. She is an an academic advisor um, at the College of Technology at Idaho State University. She was my advisor when I was applying to the program. We were able to sit down and have a great chat. She was so busy this week, and it was really nice for her to be able to um, to come and, and sit down and talk with me despite having an extremely busy schedule. Um, and I will get into my interview with her right after this ad. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by SenseiFinancial.com. They focus on helping people learn how to budget and invest in order to make real financial progress. One example is Michaela and Dan Oki. They were able to pay off $20,000 of debt in six months, and that was while they were college students. They've helped, they've helped hundreds of people just like Michaela and Dan to pay off thousands of dollars of debt and save and invest hundreds of thousands more. They have a free weekly newsletter called Financial Friday that you can get by visiting their Instagram account. That's at Sensei Financial. I'll spell that for you. It's C-E-N-T-S-E-I-F-I-N-A-N-C-I-A-L. Sensei Financial. And I really appreciate them sponsoring this episode of the podcast. All right. And we are up. Today we have Tiffany Ellsbury on the podcast. Thanks for joining me, Tiffany. Absolutely. Happy to be here. Good deal. Um, so I want to start just with an introduction to you, like where you grew up, um, kind of what brought you to this part of Idaho and your current job. Absolutely. So I grew up about 45 minutes outside of Portland, um, east of Portland, small town by Oregon standards, not by Idaho standards, but <laughs> about 10,000 people. It's a small town called Sandy, based in Mount Hood. Um, I don't do any type of winter sport, so I get a lot of grief when I say I'm that close to Mount Hood and I don't do, I don't ski or snowboard or anything like that, but it's a beautiful spot. It's, I miss it. I miss green all year round. Um, the trees and and the rain, I, I love it. But, um, yeah, so I grew up there after high school. My senior year was kind of a, an up and down year and I knew I had to get out of my area, had to get out of my town to figure Mm, out who I mm -hmm. was, how to be happy and things like that. And so I actually didn't apply to any Oregon schools, which was a huge surprise to my family and a lot of friends. Applied to Idaho and Montana. Got accepted to all the schools. I applied to, thankfully. Went to College of Idaho in Caldwell. Oh, cool. Had family nearby, so it was close enough, but not too close, so I could still kind of yeah. be my own person. And uh, graduated, went to work in social services for a couple years. Kind of burnt oh, myself really? out. Yeah. Um, I wanted to be a, a mental health counselor. It, now, is that what you got your degree in? My degree's in psychology. Oh, okay. So my, my goal was to go psychology for my undergrad and then go on for a master's in social work or master's in counseling. I see. But I allowed myself to get burnt out. I just took too much on. And as you hear with the social services field, you just you yeah. want to save the world. You, you do too much and run yourself into the ground. Yeah, and, yeah. It's um, really common for those. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I took a couple years to kind of figure out kind of some soul searching, so to speak, and fell in love and life kind of brought us here and um, worked a few small jobs here and there and then ended up getting on at ISU just as an office support staff at the College of Technology. Oh, cool. Which is kind of really interesting to learn more about the vocational programs. Um, Mm -hmm. You hear about them growing up, but to actually see them in a modern era with what we have in the technology was fascinating yeah yeah so um job became available with the advisor position and i said why not let's apply and 
here I am a couple years later. That's cool. So how long ago was that that you so from when you started at ISU to mm -hmm. when you got the advising job? I started in ISU February of 2015 and I was offered the advising position July of 2017. So I'm going oh, on okay. three years as an advisor. Wow. So. Okay. So when I came in, so I came into Tiffany to um, get help applying for the OTA program. I really thought that you had been there for a while. <laughs> like you had all the answers. That's, and that is something you guys, every university needs a Tiffany. <laughs> well, thank you. I was so, I was so overwhelmed and I was not sure about exactly what I was going to do or like, how do I even get this started? And Tiffany guided me the whole way. So <laughs> I'm I'm really surprised to hear that you were only in that position for that short amount of time. Yeah. And I think my ability to know so much and have all the as much information as I did at that point was because I had been in the College of Technology two years prior. So yeah. I'd hear about mm -hmm. our programs, I'd see them. And I'm the type of person that I like to know what's going on, not to be nosy, but to help me learn and grow. And if I can help a student call in and I can just answer a question over the phone, why not? Why not know yeah, that information? Yeah. So I use that mindset and I just carry that over and shift it. I ex expanded my my horizons with our programs and the policies with the university. And um, I appreciate that because, yeah, I, I take a lot of pride in my job and to be able to jump into it and hit the ground running and to hear students feel the comfort in that and the, and the security of knowing the information they're getting is accurate. To me, that shows that I'm doing my job right. Well, so. and another thing that that I really appreciated, and I was, it almost seemed, I almost had like this idea that I got to do all of this on my own. Like mm -hmm. I got to get all these classes and I got to figure it out. And they're just going to kind of, they're kind of going to put you through the ringer even with your application. Right. You know, but that was not the case. Right. Like I always had you as a resource anytime I needed an email answered or or I, sometimes I'd just call you and I would double and triple check on my application. I'd be like, hey, I just want to make sure it's been a few months since I checked up. Do I have everything in? And you would go through and, sh and you do that checklist with me mm -hmm. and make sure I had everything. So I I really appreciated that. Yeah. So um, tell me a little bit more about your job. Like, what else do you do? Because I know for the OTA program, you, like you, you help with the applications and the prerequisites. And mm -hmm. um, but what else besides... I mean, outside of the OTA program, what do you do? Yeah, holistically with my position. So the College of Technology at Idaho State University is pretty well established in the sense of our support for the students. So we have prospective students come in. They sometimes meet with our marketing and recruitment office. But once they apply to the program that they're interested in, that's when our office really steps in. That's when us as an advisor, we let them know, hey, we received your application, we see it, but we're still waiting on these extra documents, transcripts, mm -hmm. test scores, um, any sort of verification that we need. So we walk them through the admission process to ISU. We talk with them about the specific requirements for their program, much like OTA or physical therapy assistant, um, any of the programs. I specifically advise for the health occupations programs, but we also have our trades and our technicals. So depending mm, okay. on what program, they'll meet with their specific advisor and it really is. It's navigating the admission process. Once they're admitted, it's looking at the enrollment of the appropriate classes. And you and I have spoken about this, right? It's a matter of taking the classes that you need for your degree. It's not taking random classes because yeah. you think you're supposed to. Yeah, yeah. Right? So it's really helping them understand, yes, you need this course. Let's make it work for your schedule. Or you really don't need that history course right now. Let's focus on psychology or English or speech that are more directly relevant to your program or related 
to the curriculum. So it's those little circumstances that come up with students. Um, so that's kind of the my first interaction. Um, okay. then, then, of course, I meet with the student, talk about their programs, help them stay on track for their program, whether it's a competitive program or not, making sure that they're meeting the graduation requirements to progress through. But then any little thing that comes up, if a student doesn't get the grade that they need to move on or they have a class that didn't transfer in like they thought it would and those petitions, those exceptions, trying to work with them to make sure that we're not having them repeat classes if they've already taken something similar. Yeah, I think I had to do a petition actually for a class if you remember. I think I did that through you. Absolutely. And that's our, that's again, my goal is to make sure that I'm aware of those policies and procedures so that you don't have to spend extra time and money on a class or any student doesn't have to do that. But other than that, I mean, the admissions, the registration, general support, letting students know that we're there and they're not going through this venture on their own. Um, if you, as a student, don't know who to contact for financial aid, call our office and student services and we will help navigate or we will kind of do a soft handoff and reach out to financial aid for you and help bridge that connection. So it's a lot of all the little things our office does to try and make the student experience as best as possible. So, so someone outside of ISU, what, like, where would you direct them? Or, or maybe, because I'm sure that your job is similar to others at other mm-hmm. universities. There's other academic advisors like yourself. Yeah. Would you recommend reaching out to them or would you recommend a different avenue if they, if they were struggling with those I, kinds of things? I usually say start with your academic advisor. Um, yeah. But again, especially here at ISU, some universities, they have departmental advisors. So mm, if a student is majoring in an engineering program through the College of Science and Engineering, they have a departmental advisor. So they focus just on the department requirements. Oh, they, they, we were kind of trying to find ways that we can solidify and, and make ourselves more available to students within the university. You know, we have central academic advising, but they don't have a specific caseload. So it's kind of helping mm. reaching out to your departmental advisor first. And then if there's anything else, I would just say kind of look at the website and search if I have questions about financial aid, who's the contact, what's the financial aid's office number. But it really comes on to the student that if we don't know that you need help, we can't help you. So just having some sort of communication, reaching out to somebody that can help you get to where you need to be. That would be my biggest recommendation is don't be afraid to ask questions. I know you you and I have talked about it. I'd rather you ask questions and get the information one, two, seven different times. Yeah. Versus not asking and then trying to find out on your own and somehow ending up in the wrong department. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, for me, it was probably seven, seven different instances <laughs> of having to have the same question answered. So it, it's it's seriously a great resource. If any of you are worried about um, uh, things, classes that you need to take or um, financial aid, anything like that, please find an advisor mm-hmm. or the department, whatever, coordinator. Mm-hmm. Um that they're a, they're a great resource and they will answer your questions. Um, one thing that I, I ran into that a lot of people in my cohort didn't have a problem with were transfer credits. So I, yeah. I started at BYU-Idaho, totally different, you know, um, system of, of course codes and mm-hmm. certain classes. So I had to find the, the equivalent of those. And um, a, a, lot of, a lot of universities will have the equivalency scales yep just like isu does um what do you know what um, someone can do if they're transferring from a a university where we don't have those codes for that university 
Yeah. Is there something that they can do there? My my biggest recommendation, if they don't know who their advisor is, um, especially specific at ISU, is to contact the registrar's office of that college or university. So okay. with ISU, our registrar's office, we have a um, few staff within the office that are there to help determine those equivalencies and clarify if you took this course at BYU-Idaho, this is how it should transfer to Idaho State University. However, I say that because the registrar's office, their word is is final. So you and yeah, I have spoken, yeah. we've looked at courses and I said it should transfer over, but we won't know until we get that official transcript. So when we do these unofficial equivalencies and assessments, it's really to give students a guide, but we will we will know when that official transcript comes through, the registrar's office makes that determination. And then we know, do we need to petition this course? And, and I don't know if we'll talk about that, but petitioning is something where if you take a course, let's say anatomy and physiology at BYU-Idaho, and it does not transfer to anything equivalent here to ISU, we would then do a petition. It's a process where we're asking for an exception to count the anatomy and physiology that you took there for the requirements here at ISU. So it's a little bit of an exception if those courses don't transfer as equivalent, but I always recommend students talk with their advisor or registrar because there might be a way to find that equivalency without having to do the petition. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, I think there, I I don't remember exactly what the class was, but I had one that I had to petition for because there was not really like a clear cut. This class is just like at BYU, Idaho is just like this one at ISU, but they're similar. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to petition that and it was actually approved pretty, pretty quickly. Yeah. So I think it was your, if I remember is a math class and I actually had that looking back at my courses. So I went to the College of Idaho for my undergrad. It's a small liberal arts private college in the Treasure Valley. Yeah. And in just looking at my transcript, um, I recently graduated with my master's in public administration and looking at my transcript to see cumulative GPAs and and requirements for that program, hardly any of my classes transferred over because it was a private school. That's another thing that we see. So thankfully I already had my undergraduate degree that I didn't have to petition any courses, but had I taken one or two years at the College of Idaho and transferred to ISU, I would have had a lot of courses that didn't transfer, a lot of petitions. And Mm -hmm. so it is, it's a lot of that communication of reaching out to your advisor, the registrar's office, and just asking that question, double checking, if I take this course, you know, will it transfer to ISU? And, And that way you at least know, is it a course that we can look at maybe other options? Does your college or institution offer a different course that would transfer as equivalent that we could then look at instead. Mm, I see. Yeah. Huh. Well, jumping back to the OTA program, Mm -hmm. what are some, what are some common issues or problems that you've seen students run into that, that have been helped to be solved by you? I guess it would be my question. What are, so what are common issues and how are those issues resolved through you? Yeah. And specifically for students that are applying to the OTA program. Yeah. The biggest thing I would say is looking at the courses with the registration for the OTA program. There are at this point three prerequisite courses. It's your intro biology, medical terminology and psychology. But then there's also preference courses. And these are general courses or additional courses that support the program. But you don't have to have them complete before you apply to the program. So it's a difference Mm. of prerequisite and preference. And some students don't understand that. They think that they have to have all eight of these courses complete before they apply. Mm, okay. And really it's just those three prerequisites that you need to have done before you can apply and be considered. Those other five can be in progress. Um, and hopefully you, you do well and, and your grades are, are competitive and the program considers you. But as long as you have those three prerequisites, that's the biggest thing that some students get confused about. 
Um, I always refer students to the website for the admission process because it outlines the job shadowing requirement, the letters of recommendation and the essay. Mm -hmm. And some students, the requirements for our competitive programs often change year to year, just slight tweaks here and there. Let's increase the hours. Let's change the format a little bit on the form. So I always encourage students to try and review the website for the most up-to-date information. I would hate for a student, and and it has happened, a student turns in old forms. Oh, okay, yeah. And not that mm-hmm. it would be a huge disqualification, but it's just a little bit of a of a headache, I think, for the student, a frustration of, well, why didn't anybody tell me? It's like, yeah. so the, my biggest recommendation on that side with the other requirements would be check the website, make sure that you're aware of the deadlines, and make sure that the forms you have are up to date. That is one thing that... I think the program is willing to work with students as best as possible. They don't want that to be a reason a student is not considered, but they're updating the form so that they can get the information that they need to make a fair assessment and, and decision. So mm, making sure that those right forms are, are utilized. Cool. But, yeah. Um, let's see. I mean, you answered a lot of my questions. Uh, <laughs> I mean, is there, I guess, um, well, what kind of attributes do you see in people who are successful? And that's through any, and that's just successful through application. Yeah. What What does it take? One word that, the first word that comes to mind is grit. Um, and, and that perseverance, don't give up. If you feel, gosh, I did not do well in, in that class. I didn't get as high a grade as I thought I would. Don't give up because there are other grades. There are other courses. There are other components of your application. You're your merit, your work ethic, your volunteer hours, your recommendation letters that can help put you in the spotlight, even if your grade isn't as high as you wanted. So it's that perseverance of students to be able to say, this is what I want to do as a career. What can I do to get there? And not getting stuck on the little hurdles that we sometimes feel are are big tackles, right? We big hills in front of us. And I don't think I'm going to overcome this. But in the grand scheme of things, the whole picture, it's really just a small bump in the road. Um, and mm-hmm. those students that don't lose sight of that big picture and how far they want to go and what they want to do, I tend to see those students who hold on to that big picture more be more successful because they they don't let the small things trip them up. Um, if that would be something, you know, we have our semesters and, and again, life happens. COVID is a great example, yeah. right? There are students right now from the spring semester that are stressing because they're not doing as well for next year's application. And my recommendation is, you know, just find other ways. If you're going to repeat a class, let's talk about it. But find other ways that you can then make yourself more appealing to the program. Or what can you do yourself to internalize this and say, okay, how can I do better next time? So that Mm -hmm. if no matter what class you're in, no matter what program you're going for, you're challenging yourself and you're helping yourself grow and just become more resilient to these adversities that we're seeing. And so that grit, I think, is a huge component of success for a lot of our college of technology students because you have the academic rigor you're sitting in the classroom getting the information the theories but you also have that applied the practical sense where you are the hands-on learning and you're actually executing what you're learning and that in itself can be very difficult um i can't even imagine the the strenuous time you guys put into your studying and lab hours because there's so much to learn in our two-year programs or you know our certificate programs that when you graduate, you have the competency to go out and say, I'm a professional in this, yes. you know, and, and yeah. I can do this because even though it was two years, I spent my time and my energy into learning this because this is what I want to do. And that 
being able to to really make those connections and keeping that big picture. I've seen a lot of students be successful that I was a little hesitant because I, I'd say, do we need to look at cutting back some hours? You know, let, mm, focus yeah, on you. Yeah. But students amaze me. They <laughs> they really do. Their their ability to say, I'm going to do this and they do it. It's, it's inspiring. It really is. And I, I enjoy that because in my role, I get a lot of students that come in or email or call me. And sometimes they see the end result. The biggest end result that I see is them walking across the stage right? With graduation. Mm -hmm. But after that in their career, and we see them opening up their own business, or we see their face on a billboard around town. It's like, wow, they did it. That's awesome. Right. It's like that. And I, and the small little part that I played, our office played, our college played, that's all that I could ask for. So that's beautiful. beautiful. (laughs) Tell me a little bit about, um, when you're reviewing applications Mm -hmm. now you're pretty involved in that. Am I correct? Yes. Yeah. And so what, look, I don't know, take me through like a typical, like looking at someone's application and, and determining if they, are they a good fit for this program or not? Right. So we are, the way I describe my role with our competitive programs is really the middle person. So the program has all say in the decisions, but we help students navigate the admission process. We collect all the documents and we compile all the data. We sort it, we give it to the program to review. But what we do in that middle term is tracking all the applications that come in. We make sure that they meet the prerequisites. We calculate their grades based on those prerequisites and preference courses specifically for the OTA program. And then we rank their points. So each student kind of has a ranking based on their grades, their GPA. But then there's this qualitative aspect as well with the observation hours, the letters of recommendation, and the essay that we just say, yep, You've got everything that you have for those requirements. The program is going to review that information. So we don't look at your essay. We don't, um, we make sure that you have your hour requirement met, that you meet the minimum hours, but we don't look at your letters of recommendation. We don't assess any of that information. That's up to the program. So we really track the grades, the qualitative data, GPAs. And once we have all the applications come in, it really is, hey, let's make sure that you have everything in. So Right, if you were to apply again and I, we had everything except for your essay and one observation site, I'd make sure that I'm communicating with you. Do you have the opportunity to get everything in before the deadline? That was one of the things that when I started as an advisor, there was communication, but it wasn't a clear and consistent form of communication regarding their application. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a, a hodgepodge, if you will. So yeah, yeah. trying to streamline that, I've pulled in some of our office support staff to help manage that because when we have our competitive programs, it can be a lot for various students coming in to track everything and not miss something. So I have my office staff helping to double and triple check that I'm not missing things and we're all getting the same information, the same numbers, same grades, same GPAs, so that when we turn it over to the program, all they have to do is review, read the assessments and the uh, letters of recommendation and the essays and then make their decision. And it's really, it's a lot of work, but at the same time, it's really nice to see that those students working towards their program and their grades coming in and like, yeah, this student was really competitive. That's awesome. Or this student may not be competitive as far as grades, but maybe their essay, maybe their letters yeah, of recommendation, yeah. maybe that's going to be something. But um, it really, a lot of it comes down to those grades and making sure that our calculations are correct. So the program is looking at the right numbers. Well, so. I got to just speaking for myself. I know that like I didn't, I never had quite the grades that like, other people around me did, you know, but I was, I was 
at least I felt like I was really driven to be to get into this program. Mm-hmm. Like this is something I really wanted to do. So I think I did. I think the requirement when I applied was 16 hours of observation. I did 80. Mm-hmm. And that was just because I really wanted to show, look, I'm serious about this. You know, I'm not yeah. just going to do the bare minimum. I'm really going to go above and beyond. And um, I, and I, for, it's, I'm really happy to hear that that actually goes a long way when being considered as as a candidate for the program. Yeah. So there's only 20 seats mm-hmm. available in at least here in at ISU. And I believe we're the only accredited OTA program in Idaho. That's correct. Yep. So that is pretty significant where I didn't have quite the grades that I wanted. I was, I mean, I passed the minimum requirements for grades, obviously, Mm -hmm. but I, I wasn't, I really wanted to give myself that edge. Yeah. So I did all those preference courses that you talked about Mm -hmm. and then, and then the 80, 80 or so hours. And I mean, I, I made it in and, no, I mean, it was, yeah, it was pretty seamless, but I, I mean, I, I think that if my message, I guess, to anybody applying is go above and beyond, mm-hmm. like, don't just do the bare minimum, you know, really show the program directors that you are serious about, about getting into this program. If it's really what you want. Yeah. I would follow that up with, you know, I mentioned it. Yes. We look at the grades and they're going to look at the qualitative aspect as well, but when our programs become very competitive, for example, our physical therapy assistant program, they have 26 seats and they have about 70 students apply every year. Wow. So for that program, grades really, truly matter for yeah, that yeah. program because of the competitiveness. With our OTA program being in its, gosh, what, fourth, fifth yeah, year? I, I think, mean, it's still I fairly new. Third or fourth cohort. Yeah, yeah. Still, still fairly new in that sense, and especially new with having a competitive entry being the only accredited program in the state of Idaho. Grades do matter, so don't feel like you can go through and, and C's are going to get you into the program. Grades matter because when the program does become more competitive, you really want to showcase yourself. Like you said, go above and yeah. beyond. Make sure that you're getting the best grades possible because then it really shows the program I'm learning this information. I know this information. I'm not just sitting in a classroom taking tests, hoping I pass. Yeah, yeah. Right. But yeah, challenging yourself, getting the best grades possible, having observation hours above and beyond. I actually remember, I think it was the cohort before yours, their observation requirement was still the 16 hours. And a lot of them said, I wish I would have had to do more to, mm, to gain that exposure yeah, feedback. and uh-huh. get out there. So don't be afraid to go out and do more hours and, and yeah. shadow and it's okay because really you're benefiting yourself. Well, that's something me and Shannon talked about is we wish we would have even gone to like more diverse populations mm-hmm. to shadow and have done more shadowing. Yeah. I, I mean, even me doing going way be like way over the, the requirement. I still was like, there's still way more for me to learn and to see. Yeah. I think a lot of that so. too is because the field of OT of OT and OTAs, your scope of practice is so vast. Yes. There are so many different things that you can do and specialize in, whether it's neuro, you know, TBIs or if it's physical. Like there are mm-hmm. so many different aspects of OTA and OT that there's almost not enough time to shadow everything. Yeah. And that's just for me. I've never shadowed an OT or an OTA, but just from hearing conversations and talking with the program, it's so interesting and, and so exciting to see the different avenues that you guys can work with your patients and help them make that next step or take that next step and 
continue to grow and get back to where they were if they're recovering from an injury or a stroke. But it really, it's, it's fascinating. And I would encourage any student, if they're interested, to, to get out there, explore, shadow, um, interview OTs and OTAs, and yeah. make sure that you have a good understanding and you're not just isolating yourself to one specific avenue of the profession because there's yes. so much more out there. There's way more you can do. One thing that um, I did, so we did a level one field work this last semester. And they sent us to, it was me and uh, Caitlin, another person in our cohort. They sent us to a probation office. Oh. And OT is starting to enter the prison system. Really? So that is, it, it was fascinating. And it's it's still brand new. It's still like in its infancy. But um, all these probation officers were asking us, like, how do we get this here? Like, they they think that this could fill the gap for some, like, kids that are in probation, but as well as some of these um, I don't know, like men or women who are transferring out, mm-hmm. you know, who are going, um, are getting either paroled or put on, put on probation after being in prison. And I, to me, that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. It's still like a, it's like we're watching its growth. Like we're watching, we're still watching OT blossom into itself kind of like, yeah. I, I don't know if that makes sense or if that's like the right way of putting it, but like it's, I think it does because it's in my talks, established in other places. Yeah. And, and that exposure and, and the ability to say OTAs can do this. Yeah. I know I've talked to Joanne a couple of times. <laughs> Joanne and I have talked about that, yeah. the director of the program. And she's like, yeah, people don't know what OTAs can do. And we are really, as a profession, OTAs are really starting to, to be put on the map. Yes. And which is another reason why I encourage students to get out because seeing the different avenues, I would have never thought probation I, like, I wouldn't have either. Yeah, yeah I, I would, I would work. think home health, um, schools, yeah. right? Outpatient clinics. I think there's, um, it's Camp Hippo up in, I think, Idaho mm, Falls area. Hippotherapy. Yeah. yeah. But I never would imagine probation. Like, there's just so yeah, much. Yeah, there's so many avenues. Do. Wow. Yeah, it's it's That's... really awesome. And I, I really think there's something for everybody. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's I don't think being in like, being a therapist is necessarily for everybody, but if you want to do occupational therapy, you can find, you know, you can find your groove yeah. and get into it. So absolutely, yeah. and it's I'm imagine it's a rewarding profession, just like any of the health related fields, right? Kind yeah. of being able to help a patient, help them ov- overcome something, yes. get better, right? Mm-hmm. It takes a lot in a person. Then this is just my internalization of wanting to go into social services, but realizing that wasn't the direct, the correct field for me because I care too much. Mm, so, yeah, yeah. you know, like I would just take on too much. Oh yeah. yeah. I would run myself into the ground. I'd work 10, 20 hours a, a day. It felt like, and yeah. you know, rinse and repeat and do the whole thing over again and lose sleep. And, yeah. but having these professions where you're able to care and show that compassion, show that empathy for the people you're working with and help them become better or do better based on physical limitations or overcoming any yeah. sort of obstacle. Um, I just, I, I enjoy, I love kind of living through the students. That seems really silly to say, <laughs> but to see them grow while they're in the program is amazing. Well, you have a kind of a cool perspective because you see them even before they're in the program. Yeah, so you're yeah. seeing like the potential people that are going to be in there and then you get to see them actually get in mm-hmm. and 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 kind of celebrate with them that like we did it you know we, yeah we made it it's so. it's actually kind of funny so we not funny but it's it's i i laugh because 
this year with COVID, our graduation ceremony was canceled. Yeah. Right. So the College of Technology, we did a drive-through graduation ceremony for our graduates. Oh, and it was like fun. it was a parade they could walk or oh, okay. drive through. We're all standing out there in our masks and we're waving balloons and hooting and hollering. <laughs> and for me, I got very emotional as far as those happy tears, the happy emotions, watching our students come through because I was like, You've worked so hard to get here. Go enjoy yeah. it. Go, you know. Their world is yours, honestly. Yep. And to see those students go from, I think I'm interested. Am I going to be considered for the program? Oh my gosh, I got in. Oh my gosh, now I'm graduating. To see that yeah. transition and that growth is, it's amazing. It really is from my perspective. That's so. awesome. That's so great. Um, if Is there anything else that you'd like to cover or anything else that's come to your mind? Wow, man, we could probably talk all day. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I would say if, if anyone out there is, is listening and they're interested in the OTA program, reach out to us. I'm at the College of Technology Student Services office and we'll help look at your courses or get you started on the right track and see what you need to do. Or if they're, if you're doing all the right things, okay, let's put it all together in a neat application for the program. Yeah. It really is. Just reach out to us and um, happy to help. I always tell students, I don't mind if you call or email me. I, I'd rather you ask than not. And yeah. so I'm, I'm here to help. Our office is here to help. So reach out to us. We're here for you. That's great. That's yeah. great. Well, Tiffany, thank you so much for being on yeah. today. I really appreciate you taking time. And Tiffany is very busy right now. Um, so it was really awesome of her to come in and, and yeah. take time to, to talk to us. Make so. it work. Absolutely. I mean, happy to, to be a part of it. So thank you for making sure that I you, you got the hooks in and I was here. <laughs> I appreciate that. Okay, and that is it for this episode of the podcast. A huge thank you to Tiffany Ellsbury for taking time out of her schedule to come and join me today. Also, thank you to Sensei Financial for being the sponsor of this episode. If you have any questions or comments about the show, or if you'd like uh, to be a sponsor for the podcast, please email me at otaaspirationspodcast at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram at otaaspirationspodcast.com. I look forward to talking to all of you in the next episode.